You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. You know, I love the title of this conference. You know, it's like, it does feel like a conference. I know it's a workshop. It feels like a conference because we got all the people from various nations in Europe here with us tonight. You know, and the title, of course, is Fight the Good Fight, in case you forgot the title right there. You know, and of course, we cannot forget how Anthony blew it out tonight, guys. Let's give it one more time for Anthony. And I don't know about you, but he looks a bit younger this time. You know, I don't know about you. I think it's the mountain. God is making me a bit radiant over there. So it's pretty great. Thank you so much for the charge, bro. Really inspirational. Understand that God is going to fight for you. You know, and with that, of course, I'm so reminded of the scripture which he shared about today in Exodus 14, 14, which says, The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. You know, and of course, you know, he, 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 in a sense, went a bit further in that, teaching that we don't just do nothing when God is fighting for us, but in a sense that as disciples, God will fight for you and you'll be victorious right there. And I'm reminded as how I grew up, you know, when I grew up as a young man, you know, uh, I wasn't much of a fighter, right? And uh, my oldest sister used to do all the fighting for me, you know, so when I was in trouble... You know, my older sister always used to jump in the fights. She'd be the one fighting all the boys for me. You know, and, and I, I loved it. You know, it's pretty great when someone fights for you guys. You know, it was pretty great because when I was around her, I felt secure. I felt safe. I felt comfortable. And, and when I think about that with the same scripture, God is saying, hey, as a disciple, he's going to fight for you. You're going to feel a sense of security, a sense of comfort, and a sense of confidence as you go into battle right there. Amen. Amen. And, you know, at the same time, I'm reminded by an incredible individual in the Bible who, in a sense, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart named David. In 1 Samuel 25, 28, it says he fights the Lord's battles. You see, David understood that God fights for him, but at the same time, he was fighting the Lord's battles as well. The question is, are you fighting the Lord's battles? You know, you, you, when you look back at 2018, would you say it was a year where you honestly fought the lost battles? You know, and you know, this year we want to understand, guys, we've got to make that decision that we're going to fight the lost battles. You know, ask the question, what kind of battles are they? The battle of lost souls. The battle of evangelizing all the nations in this generation. Amen? Amen. Let's turn the Bible to Joel chapter 3. Joel chapter 3, it's a book that a lot of you guys read quite often. You know, in case you're wondering, you know, God has truly encouraged me today. You know, uh, the first week of January, you know, I, I have an incredible highlight already. You know, tonight I get to preach with my incredible spiritual mom, Michelle Williamson. And uh, she is, of course, you know, uh, the, the women's ministry leader of the London International Christian Church and Europe collectively. And you'll hear her speak tonight as well, which is really incredible. In Joel chapter 3, we read from verse 9. It says, proclaim this among the nations. Prepare for war. Rouse the warriors. Let all the fighting men draw near and attack. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weaklings say, I am strong. Come quickly, all you nations from every side, and assemble there. Bring down your warriors, O Lord. Let the nations be roused. Let them advance into the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will sit to judge all the nations on every side. Swing the circle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, trample the grapes, for the wine press is full. And the vast overflow, so great is their wickedness. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun will be darkened and the stars no longer shine. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and sky will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people. A stronghold for the people of Israel. And the church says, Amen. I love the scripture. 
is so incredible because over here, God is speaking to all the nations. He says, they've got to prepare for war. They've got to be prepared for the battle. You know, and he uses a play on words the same as Isaiah 2. But Isaiah chapter 2 says, you've got to beat your swords into plowshares, your spears into pruning hooks. But Joel says, no, 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 the kingdom of God is a kingdom of peace, amen, but it's also a kingdom of war. The question is tonight, are you ready for war? Are you ready for war? Are you ready to beat your, your swords, your plowshares rather, into your swords? Are you ready to beat your pruning hooks into spears right there? At the same time, he talks about the valley of decisions. You know, the last thing you need tonight is to come all the way from Stockholm, Sweden, all the way from Paris, all the way from Birmingham, all the way from Germany, even all the way from East London right there, uh, and come tonight and not make any decisions. That's the last thing you want to do today. I encourage you today, guys, as you hear in this incredible workshop, I encourage you to leave with decisions. Make some decisions tonight. Don't leave this room without any decisions right there. And at the end of it, of course, it says, the Lord will be a refuge for his people and a stronghold for the people of Israel. When you look at the scripture, the people of God made God their stronghold. But sadly, we can have all the wrong things become our stronghold today. If there's a title for a lesson tonight, it's simply Demolishing Strongholds. I give you Michelle Williamson. Amen. Thank you, Frank. And as your big sis, if any time you needed someone to fight for you, I'm right there behind your back. I got, I got your back, bro, wherever you are. <laughs> okay. I know that many of us have made New Year's resolutions. I think uh, Anthony asked us to put our hands up if we've made some New Year's resolutions. Just wanted to share a few New Year's resolutions with you that I have. One of them is to be personally fruitful this year. Sadly, last year I was not personally fruitful where I actually met someone and studied the Bible with them. And I really, really want to go after that this year. I also want to double our Bible talk at UCL and double our Bible talk in Goldie's Green. And I really want to see London at 200 members, and I know that we can easily get there. Our goal for this workshop is to rouse, to rouse our courage and our passions. That is it at the end of the day. Why we have conferences, why we have sermons, even on Sundays. We must rouse something in us that is lying dormant to stand up and fight. No one in their right mind loves war, really. I mean, you ask even a Marine in Afghanistan if he really wants to go. He doesn't really want to go and leave his wife and kids, but he goes because there is something better that he's fighting for. He's fighting for a dream and an ideal. And that is the goal tonight and the goal this weekend, that I pray that we have a hunger in our hearts and a passion that is ignited. We have got to collectively come together and fight for souls and especially for our own soul, which is what really Frank and I are going to talk to you tonight about. The de demolish negative strongholds. Tommy Watt did actually a great sermon, I believe, last Sunday that got us into a kind of a great mindset. I felt it was from the spirit. Thank you, Tommy Watt. He made a great point about New Year's resolutions. And one of the points was that there's no point having most New Year's resolutions and goals don't don't work out and they fizzle out in a month. The gym's busy. We went to the gym today and it was packed. I go there in February, there's no one there. Yeah. There'll be no one there because they gave up. And uh, essentially, we don't, our goals don't, um, don't work out because we're trying to pour new wine in old wineskins. We have got to really pray this weekend to get new wine and new wineskins. We are a wineskin and we need to change 
from the inside out. For change to be any for change to be of any value, it needs to be lasting and consistent. You know, you can't just go, I'm going to go and uh, lose weight this year, but only go to the gym for two weeks, right? We don't just evangelize 100 people in one day and go, okay, we're going to, you know, that's, that's good for the year. No. We can't just paint the car. We got to fix the engine if we want lasting change. The first point tonight, amen, are we ready to fix an engine tonight? In that, yay, yeah, no superficial change, sisters. Uh, my first point is our thoughts are the architects of our destiny. Your thought life, what you think is the architect of your destiny, of where you are heading, not only on this earth, but the eternal factor. How were your thoughts, sisters, in 2018? This has been a huge stronghold in my life, my thought life, my negative, cynical, pessimistic thought life. You know, there's a concept in CR called stinking thinking. So many of us think stinking thoughts, but we expect stunning results. It ain't going to happen. You know, someone once said that those who cannot change their minds will not change anything. It starts here, and this is the battle that rages tonight. Satan wants your mind. If we are going to fight the good fight, we got to start within. God wants to give us victories, amen, but we got to get a new mind. You know, the definition of a stronghold is just essentially a secured, tight, uh, that's a place that has been secured tightly in case of attack. And as Frank shared that scripture, God is our refuge. That is amazing. God is stronger than Satan. We have God as our refuge. We have nothing to fear. However, in the New Testament, the word stronghold is only used once and is in the negative sense. And it is the scripture, which is our theme scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 starting in verse 4, and I want you guys to definitely go there and study this out in your quiet times. It just says in verse 3, actually, for though we live in the world, right? We are living in this world, but we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power divine power to demolish strongholds. We, sisters, must demolish arguments and every, every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive, take prisoner, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In verse 5, Paul defines a spiritual stronghold as simply... An argument or pretension raised up against the knowledge or the word of God. Human reasoning, logic, rationality, our emotions that go against the word of God need to be demolished. These are dangerous. And Satan uses this kind of subtle warfare to slowly destroy us. God isn't against thinking. God isn't against intelligence, but what kind of thinking are we engaging in? 
What's scary is that we have most of us tonight have satanic strongholds that we're not even aware of. We are sleeping with the enemy and we don't even know. 2 Corinthians 4 says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers. Guess what? The God of this age, which is Satan, is also trying to blind the Christian's mind. It is a war of the mind. Proverbs 23, 7 says that as someone thinks within herself, so she is. Our thoughts are the architects of our destiny. If I can get you to have a conviction, I want you to have that one. And what's amazing, what I love about science is it's just finally catching up to the ancient wisdom of God. Amen. So science has confirmed this truth. If you think I'm just sort of like trying to rouse you and get you inspired just by small talk, no, this is scientifically proven that when you think, you actually build thoughts, and these thoughts become neurological pathways, physical substances in your brain. It's a wiring that happens. Our thoughts build these pathways which become positive or negative strongholds. Are there any mums in the room? Okay, listen up. This is, this is scary. Science has shown that a mum's disposition, her bad habits, her proneness to anxiety can actually impact her child before it's even born. So what goes on in my mind when I'm pregnant affects my baby. A study was done on pregnant women that endured the 9-11 attacks. Many of these women suffered PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and their kids that were born had lower levels of stress hormones, which is cortisol, and their responses, these babies' responses to stress-inducing stimuli was dysfunctional. This is deep stuff. Our brains are powerful and our thoughts are even more powerful. Yet, we can change and we can rewire our brain. Romans 12, 1 promises that we can transform our minds. We can rewire our minds because we have divine power from the Word of God. And I'm going to share just how we can do that shortly. Thank you so much, Michelle. Let's turn the Bible to Ezekiel 28. Our second point is set aside your pride. In Ezekiel 28, I'll carry on reading from verse 15. It says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till wickedness was found in you. Though you were widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God and I expelled you, O God and cherub, from among the fiery stones, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth. I made a spectacle of you before kings. You know, Ezekiel over here tells us the story of how Satan fell from heaven. And one of the reasons why he fell from heaven was because Satan found pride in his beauty. And the way he appeared, because he appeared good, in a sense, he found pride. And, uh, and one of the things, when I, when, I, when I look at this, I, I can relate so much because one of the things I hate strongly is looking bad. I don't know if you guys over here, does anyone hate looking bad? 
Yeah, I, I hate looking bad, you know. It's, uh, and, you know, one time, you know, uh, we had a brother who was, you know, very zealous. You know, he, he, he took a picture of me and, uh, you know, he uploaded on social media. And, you know, and I saw the picture and, you know, and I was like, that is such a bad picture of me. And, you know, before anyone could like, share and all, so, and all kind of stuff, I called that brother immediately and said, bro, take that picture down. It makes me look bad. You know, and that's basically how much I hate looking bad, guys. I hate it with a passion. You know, and, you know, this character, sadly, it plays out in my spiritual walk with God as well. You know, you ask how. Basically, one of the ways spiritually we can look bad is when we sin. When we sin, we can look bad. And when we sin, it actually shows that we are weak. And that's another thing I hate. I hate looking weak. You know, and, you know, and one of the things that is sadly a, a terrible mindset we, we tend to have is that looking weak is a bad thing. It's not. Men tend to have this a lot. You know, and I found out today that some women as well, you know, hate looking weak as well. And in so many ways, falling into sin can make us weak. And you ask, how does Satan have a stronghold in this area? It's simple, unconfessed sin. That is how Satan finds strength in this area. When you don't confess your sin, he, 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 that is his comfort zone. He finds strength. He finds comfort in your lack of confession right there. You know, and, and this year, guys, I encourage you, let us be disciples in 2019, that we don't give in to the pride saying that, hey, we don't want to look bad. Because you understand something, it's okay to look weak, but it's not okay to stay weak. It's one thing to look weak, it's another thing to stay weak right there. And, uh, and what, one of the things I ask myself is, you know, you know because what happens is, as we, as we look weak, you know, we, we get some strengthening. You ask, how do you get some strengthening? I think about being radically open. Being radically open about your sin. You know, I'm so encouraged that, you know, in the church we have the lion's den. You know, and in the lion's den, you know, there are men who are a billion times more humble than I am. You know, it convinced me a lot of times. And in the lion's den, you have men who confess their sins radically. You know, one, one of the people I want to lift up so much is Kobe. You know, um, Kobe is an individual who I am so humbled by when he confesses his sin. And when you look at Kobe today, the reason why he's such a strong man, the reason why he's grown so much is because he gets open. And as he gets open... As he gets open, we are allowed to disciple his sin in him, make him more like Jesus Christ. And the more you're like Jesus, the closer you are to God. So it's very important for us guys to learn to rightly open as disciples. And for myself, I, ha I hate being open. You know, I'll be honest with you guys, I hate being open because, again, it makes me look weak. You know, uh, in so many ways, I hate being open, you know, not because of the sin, but the fact that it just makes me look weak. And the sense that, not that it just hurts God in the sin, but I just look bad. You know, and that's not a good reason why we shouldn't fall into sin. The main reason why we shouldn't want to fall into sin is because it hurts God. We shouldn't be so focused on our appearance. Like I shared earlier, in Joel, he said, all those who are weak should say, I am strong. And with God, you can be strong. We let us not allow Satan to have a stronghold in this area where we don't confess our sin. The challenge is simple. Let's get ready open tonight. So, yes, my third point then is demolish to accomplish. As Frank shared, there, there are areas where strongholds can, can get into our heads. And one of the main areas is what Frank talked about was unconfessed sin. Having secret sin really becomes a fortress for Satan and a field ground for him to really do horrible, horrible work in your brain to make you feel a lot of shame and a lot of guilt. And then you just start acting weird. And there's a weirdness about you that you just can't put, no one else can put their finger on it, but they're like, 
show just acts really weird lately. And oftentimes it's just stuff in your heart. And I just really encourage, and it's, it is embarrassing to be open about our sin and to look, to have thoughts sometimes that we've had or to have done things that have done, uh, we've done really bad. But there's so much freedom in openness. Uh, and I was I really want to lift up one sister in the West who had a stronghold of impurity in her life for years and years and years, and it would not go away. And uh, one day, uh, Rebecca and I talked about the situation, and we came up with a solution about being radically open, and she even was open to public confession, and she did. And I believe that that sister is living a victorious life and is not sinning to this day since that openness time. And uh, if you had asked her beforehand how she felt, she was very nervous to do it, but she was so grateful for that, for that, uh, that um, challenge, and it really has helped her soul, and she's doing great things for God. I think one of the areas that women, a stronghold for women that uh, I can definitely struggle with, and I think women can struggle with, is in the area of lies, the area of believing satanic lies. If we remember the definition that Paul talked about, arguments and pretensions that set themselves up against the Word of God. So, 2 Corinthians 11.3, jot that down, it talks about Eve, and it talks about how she was deceived by the Satan's cunning, and the word there is very specific, cunning. That means, that's, if you have a cunning enemy, I mean, watch out. I don't want, you know, that's the enemy that we're talking about. We're talking about Satan. He is cunning, and he wants to kill us, and uh, Eve was deceived by his cunning, and through his lies. And he was very subtle about distorting the word of God, if we remember in Genesis. How is Satan deceiving you, sisters? I want us to be really look at areas of strongholds, areas that we have held onto lies that seem logical and almost sophisticated. You know what I mean? Like Anthony's like, you might hate me now because I'm calling you to radically obey. Because we can in our minds go, well, that's just being a little bit over the top, Anthony. <laughs> I mean, really. You know, we can feel those. We can rationalize. And I hope Miriam, and I know she will, do an excellent job in talking about how we can really rationalize sinful thought patterns. And we don't want to go there. Some of the areas that Satan has lied, for, lied to us and that we have a stronghold in is just God is not really good. Some of us truly believe that deep down. God doesn't love me. He loves everyone else, and I can even do Bible studies and preach that all night long, but he doesn't really love me. We can really believe in our heart of hearts. There are many ways to heaven. We can also feel God's ways are just a little bit too restrictive, so I'm going to like go a little, you know, I'm going to take liberties in certain areas of my life. We can believe I can't help the way I am. I'm just me. I should not have to live with unfulfilled expectations. I, God needs to fulfill every dream and every expectation I have. Been there. I can sin and get away with it. I don't have to really be open. Come on. This is what this church believes. But, you know, I told God, we're good. My sin isn't really that bad. Right? I am not fully responsible for my actions or my emotional outbursts. And that's a huge one. So many of our sisters, we really hurt each other because we are so emotional and we respond in our emotions and we really, really hurt the body of Christ. 
And we got to take control and get to take captive and we got to demolish those emotions. I have to have a husband to be happy. Single sisters, you've all said that once. <laughs> Married sisters, I got one for you. If I submit to my husband, I'll be miserable. Right? We've all had those. These are lies. And Satan has deceived us, and there are strongholds in our minds that hang on to these. We've got to figure it out, guys. We've got to take a good look at ourselves. We've got to look in the mirror of accountability this year. And, you know, sometimes you look in that mirror and you're just like, man, I'm getting old. <laughs> got a few wrinkles. Oh, man, gray hairs are coming out. i got a pooch. <laughs> I'm sagging in areas that I didn't sag in two years ago. You've got to take a good look at that. Four years ago, after I had me, I'd put on a ton of weight. I was in my mid-40s, and I'd, and I'd been athletic my whole life, and I, you know, it was great. And I was like, okay, I had my second daughter. I'm in my 40s. I'm not going to have abs and all that stuff. That's for the 20-year-olds, and amen. I don't have to be super thin and all of that stuff. But I remember looking in the mirror, and I was like, oh, I don't want to go out this way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to. i got a long life. I don't want to just stay here. And honestly, had believed the lie that I couldn't change that. And I'd, I'd, I'd gone, yeah, society says when a woman hits her 40s, yeah, a little bit extra weight's okay. But I took a good look at myself. That, that's not okay for me. And I made a decision. And, it, and, I, and I made a decision. I just said, it ain't going to happen. And you know what I started doing? I started working out in my backyard with little weights. 25 minutes. And it was, in, it was actually the, one of the hardest workouts I have ever done. And I've shared some of it with you. I'm talking jumping jacks, burpees, those push-ups that Frank saw me do once. It was like, man, sis, those look real. How did you do that? And it was just in my backyard. And then you got to, if we're going to demolish to accomplish, we're going to do this one day at a time, sometimes one hour at a time. But we cannot give up. You know, there's a concept called beast mode, yep. right? And it's a mindset. Yep. And I use it in the gym a lot. Because why? Because it's painful. Yeah. Anthony says, it's suffering produces something good. But unless you get into a beast mode mentality, you will not want to suffer. I mean, no one in their right mind's going, yeah, bring it on. You've got to go in beast mode. You've got to go, I'm sick of being tired. I'm sick of being lukewarm. I'm sick of being unfruitful. I'm sick of complaining. I'm sick of my husband and I every D time confessing the same stuff. Michael and I have been there for years confessing the same fights until one day I was like, beast mode, enough. And now, all right, this is funny, but we've been married 15 years and to God be the glory, I'm more in love with my husband than I've ever been. I had to demolish to accomplish that feat. It's not easy. 15 years, guys. Come on, married. Give it up. 15 years. Yes. Lillian told me the other day she feels the same way towards Rob. Come on. That woman is in love. I want you to replace all of that junk with one thing. What? 1 John 4, 4. I Say it with me. I can, can, do all, all, all things through Christ. 
That was truly incredible, Michelle. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I hope you guys are still fired up out there, man. I only have a few minutes with you guys. Let's go to John 11. My spiritual mom is doing a great job, which is great. The last and final point is don't get stuck in the past. John 11, you know, in verse 1 to 7, it says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with the hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not lead, will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and his sister Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. We'll stop there. Here we have Jesus' best friend, Lazarus, who is dead. And Jesus sees an incredible opportunity to, in a sense, raise him from the dead and to glorify himself. To see God's glory being magnified through this, uh, in, in, uh, this miracle. But he says he's going to go back to Judea. What happened to, in Judea? In verse 8. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there. In Judea, that was the toughest point where Jesus faced in his life. He went back to the toughest area of his life. You see, we're going to see and learn from Jesus Christ over here, guys, that if we want to see God's glory, we've got to go back to all the tough areas in our lives. You see, for a lot of us, 2019 is just 2018 version 2. For a lot of us, 2019 is 2010 version 9. Because we are so stuck in our past right there. We don't want the past to stop us from seeing the glory of God. What is the glory of God? John 15 tells us, bearing much fruit. I love the title and, and, and you know, the theme of the worldwide movement, the year of boldness. We've got to be bold as a church. If we want to see, my goal, personal goal for the Birmingham church is for us to get a 50 by the end of the year. And I believe, of course, the London International Christian Church have a goal to reach 200. But we will not reach that goal if we're still stuck in the past. If we're not willing to go back to all the tough areas of our lives. We've got to understand, guys, let's not get stuck in the past. Let us move on. I'm so proud of Anthony and Cassie almost. When you, read about, when you hear about them, Anthony in the beginning didn't want to go back to Paris. But then he went back because he wanted to see God glorified. Cassidy as well, last year, both of them had a really challenging time on the mission field. But they stand here and they sit before you in the front row, fired up. Because they want to see God's glory. And they're going to do great things in Paris. I believe in you guys. In closing, let's not let the stronghold of not dealing with our past stop us from glorifying God by bearing much fruit. I encourage you as a disciple, be fruitful this year. Every single one of you can be apparently fruitful. You have what is called the Holy Spirit of God. That's all you need. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God. You can be fruitful. Take that charge. Take that charge. In closing, the battle is our mind. Your mind is the architect of your destiny. We have to understand that that's where Satan attacks the most. Satan is known as accuser. He will always accuse you constantly in your mind. Second point is we got demolished the stronghold of pride by being radically open tonight. Even that sin that you've been holding on for many, many months, that you feel like, if I get open, I'll be judged. It doesn't matter. You can look weak tonight, but just don't stay weak. We got demolished to accomplish what God has called us to do. And last, don't get stuck in the past. To God be all the glory.
we would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast if you would like video versions of these episodes whether it's sermon highlights or interviews feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our youtube channel that's londonchurch.org.uk that's l-o-n-d-o-n-c-h-u-r-c-h.org.uk and for all other updates and information whether it's services events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one